My name is Brian. I'm the lead pastor of Grand Valley Church, and we're a community of faith in Brandon, Manitoba. We hope that this message helps you to explore faith and grow in your relationship with God. Good morning and welcome here to Grand Valley Church Online. My name is Brian. I'm the lead pastor here at Grand Valley and I'm excited that you're here with us, whether that is live, on demand later, or if you're catching this on the podcast later. But I want to invite you to do something and that is if you have a question or maybe a prayer request or maybe there's a conversation you want to have about faith, if you go into the description, there is a link to our online connect card. And you can fill that out to get in touch with us, and we'd love to have a conversation with you about faith or about whatever your questions are or what getting involved looks like in this season. We are in a series called I Am, Jesus in His Own Words, and we're diving into these teachings found in the Gospel of John that are all about how Jesus described who He is. And the reason for this is that Jesus and His resurrection form the center point of our whole faith as followers of Jesus. And it informs how we understand God, even how we look at scripture and how we understand God's word is all influenced and shaped by who Jesus is and the event of his resurrection. And so we're looking at this series of teachings that's found in the Gospel of John, where Jesus talks about who he is and he uses metaphors and this declarative form of saying, I am. And then he explains himself. And so last week we looked at I am the gate and I am the good shepherd and these metaphors that help us understand who Jesus is and how our relationship with him is shaped by this. And we've been going through John's gospel for a specific reason, because in John's gospel, he's writing later than the other gospels, and he has this specific purpose. And so throughout his gospel, John the disciple is building a case to reveal that Jesus is the Son of God to his readers. And so even for us reading today, that's the purpose that John had for this gospel, is he wanted to reveal who Jesus is to us. And so as we've been going through, the signs and the wonders and the teachings that Jesus is giving have been growing in magnitude. They're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And as you're reading, you're seeing how John is unfolding this in front of us, that Jesus really is who he said he was. And so today we're picking up in the next chapter after where we were last week. But this chapter starts as the calendar is approaching Passover again. And Jesus is a little far away from Jerusalem. But there's some people that live near Jerusalem named Mary, Martha, and Lazarus that live in a place called Bethany. And they were friends of Jesus. They were three siblings that lived together. And Mary and Martha have already appeared once in the Gospel of Luke before. And you may know this story that Jesus and his disciples were at their home at where Mary, Martha and Lazarus lived. And Martha is in the middle of preparing a meal for everyone who's at her house to hear Jesus teach. And Mary goes and she sits right at Jesus' feet amongst his disciples and is just listening and soaking in what Jesus is teaching. And then this is what happens. Martha comes to Jesus and says, hey, this isn't fair. I'm doing all this work. You need to tell my sister to help out. She needs to, to do her role and do her job around here. And the Lord says to her, we pick this up in Luke 10, 41. Luke writes it this way. He says, but the Lord, Jesus, said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken from her. 
Jesus encourages that Mary should stay at his feet, listening amongst the disciples. And this was this was unique for the first century in a patriarchal culture. No other rabbi would let a woman sit amongst his disciples right at his feet to listen. And this was something that Jesus did regularly. Now, when we jump over to John's gospel, Jesus is a little ways from Bethany and he receives a message. The two sisters, Mary and Martha, send a message to Jesus and they tell him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. Lazarus is sick. And Jesus, when he hears about this, this is what he says to his disciples. He says, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the son of God will receive glory from this. He's saying that in this event, what's happened with his sickness is this will bring glory to God and that the son of God, that means Jesus is talking about himself in that moment, will receive glory from this. Now, Jesus isn't saying that God caused his sickness but he's saying that through this sickness that will not end in death, that God is going to do something to reveal to the people and to the town of Bethany that Jesus really is the son of God. And so here's what happens. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Now, when Jesus arrives at Bethany, he gets told that Lazarus has already died and he's been in the grave for four Days And so Jesus is approaching Bethany and Martha gets word that Jesus is coming. And so she goes to meet him. But Mary stayed at the house. Now, when Martha comes to Jesus, this is how she greets him. She says, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Now, when we read this, we need to understand something that Martha is not accusing Jesus of not being there. This is the response of someone who is grief stricken over the loss of her brother. And she's understanding and wishing that there could have been some other way that this would have turned about, that somehow this could have been different. And, but she even recognizes in this who Jesus is. She says, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. That is a statement of understanding that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is the Son of God, that he has authority over life and death. But here's what happens. Jesus says to her this. She says, your brother will rise again. And Martha responds, she says, yes, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Now, we're going to take a little detour for a moment here into what were some first century perspectives about life after death, about resurrection. And it's going to help us have some background on this story, because even within Judaism in the first century, there were multiple perspectives about what happens after death. And so when Martha says that on the last day, he will rise with everyone else, she's taking the perspective on the afterlife that the Pharisees had and taught. Now, the common underlying belief in Judaism is that when we die, our spirits go to a place called Sheol, which just means the place of the dead. And it's a type of a spiritual realm, and there's not much that's really known about it or understood, but it's that the spirit leaves the body. And the Pharisees believe that on the last day, that if you were righteous enough, if you had followed the law well enough, if you were devout enough, those who were declared righteous would rise on the last day when the world came to an end to meet 
God. And so Martha, she's agreeing with this Pharisee's teaching and has confidence that her brother Lazarus was righteous enough to rise on the last day. And then a, another group within Judaism was known as the Sadducees. And they agreed that there was this place of the dead that the, the spirit went to after it left the body. But they didn't believe there was any resurrection. They said, no, this life is all there is. And how fortunate would it would be to be alive when God returns, when the Messiah comes, when all of this happens. So Jesus wants to correct her because Jesus knows something about the afterlife. He knows about the spiritual condition of our hearts and our souls and what happens to us. And he wants to reveal this to Martha. And so Jesus tells her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. And everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Now, Jesus says a lot in these couple sentences. And so I want to break them down a little bit and kind of look at each sentence one at a time so we can understand what Jesus is getting at in this. And so he starts with, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Now, Jesus is not saying these two things are equal. These are actually two separate things. And he explains them in the next two verses when he says, I am the resurrection. That's one thing. And when he says, I am the life. That's another. And so the first part of this, when he says, I am the resurrection, he follows that up by saying, anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. So he's saying that our death is not the end. In fact, there is something more that's going to happen. He says, anyone who believes in me will live even after death. And we know from the rest of Jesus' teachings and from the writings that happen in the New Testament afterwards that Jesus is not talking about just a spiritual or a metaphorical resurrection. He's actually talking about a physical bodily resurrection with physical substance the way we see the world today. There will be a resurrection that is physical and this is part of our beliefs and part of our faith as a follower of Jesus. And we know about this because this gets written about more later on in the New Testament. We're going to jump ahead a few decades from when this story was happening with Jesus to when the Apostle Paul was writing a letter to the church of Corinth. And in this first letter that he writes to Corinth, he includes this section that is addressing a false teaching, some false doctrine that's popped up and it's getting popular and people are grasping to it because it seems easier than what the truth is. And Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 15, 12. He's, he's arguing against these teachers of a false doctrine. He says, but tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying that there will be no resurrection of the dead? And he goes on, he says, for if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. And so he's using the negative here to contradict their false teaching of saying, you know that Jesus rose from the dead. You know that there are eyewitnesses that are still alive even at that time. You know that Jesus has been appearing to people even still. You know that he sent the Holy Spirit and he could only send the Holy Spirit because he rose from the grave. And he's saying, if we know that Jesus rose and he said that we would follow suit as his followers then if we disregard that Jesus rose from the grave, then what good is our faith? And so Paul makes this argument 
saying, if you believe that Jesus rose from the grave, then we need to understand that that means we will have a resurrection as well. And so when Jesus was telling this to Martha, that there will be a resurrection, he's actually saying that it's a resurrection because of belief, not because they have worked to be righteous enough, not because Lazarus has earned his resurrection, but that that resurrection comes through belief. So Jesus said, anyone who believes in me will rise from the grave. And then the the next part of that, going back to John 11, he says, everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Now, hold on. We look at that and we say, well, wait a second. You just said there will be death and there will be resurrection. Now, what's this about never dying? Because doesn't resurrection require death to happen? Now, these are these statements aren't actually in contradiction because what Jesus is saying, he says, everyone who lives in me, he is talking about that second part where he says, I am the life that Jesus is the source of all life. And in fact, at the very beginning of John's gospel, John makes the declaration that everything in the world was created by God through Jesus, that he is the one that gives purpose and meaning to everything. And so the life that we have actually transcends past death, that even though our physical bodies, our current bodies die, the resurrected body is the continuation of the life and Jesus making all things new. And so if we go a little further into Paul's argument in 1 Corinthians 15 against these teachers of a false doctrine, Paul explains it this way. He says, there are also bodies in the heavens and bodies on earth. The glory of the heavenly bodies is different than the glory of the earthly bodies. He's saying that this life leads to a heavenly body that is different. And this life sustains in a way that goes beyond what death brings to an end. And this actually goes back to a passage we looked at last week. When Jesus was comparing the purpose of the good shepherd to the purpose of the thief, he said this in John 10.10, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give a rich and satisfying life. And that doesn't mean monetarily rich, but that means having a life that is abundant, that goes way beyond what is necessary because we have Jesus living with us and within us and because we have the Holy Spirit with us as his followers. And so when Jesus says to Martha, I am the resurrection, I am the life, this life that he's talking about doesn't require death to happen first. In fact, this is a life that transcends past resurrection, a life that continues. And in fact, it's a life that we can have now. Because something that often happens in our faith is sometimes there's we can get so focused on the resurrection part. We can get so focused on the afterlife. But what is eternal life with God going to be and going to look like? And we can look ahead so far that we cease to look at what's right now. And it's important to look ahead. It's important to see and to know what our faith is leading us towards. But we also have to look at what life is right now. We have to look and see what is Jesus leading us to in our present day. What is it that God is calling us to do right now in this season, in this moment? How are we part of bringing God's kingdom into reality right now where we are? 
Because this is one of the things that I see constantly when Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven being near and that the kingdom of heaven is now and the kingdom of heaven is present, but yet the kingdom of heaven is still groaning and moving towards fruition. I believe that what we do now actually prepares us for what life will be like on the other side of resurrection. Now, that doesn't mean that we earn our resurrection. It means that what we do now by living in God's presence, by living in the kingdom, that prepares us for living in the fullness of the kingdom after Jesus returns. And I know we're kind of digging into some some eschatology and some some far off things that may, we don't know if this is happening immediately. We don't know if this is going to be in a distant future, but we do know that Christ's return is imminent, meaning it could happen at any time. And we long for that and we look forward to that, but that doesn't mean we forget about what we're here to do now to carry out the mission that Jesus began. And so if we jump back to the story, let's get back to Mary and Martha after this detour into what does this mean to be the resurrection life? Let's get back to them. What happens is Martha wants Jesus to come to the tomb. And so Jesus, first Martha goes and she gets Mary and brings Mary to see Jesus. And Mary shares the kind of the same thing that Martha did about longing that if only Jesus had been there. And her grief is overwhelming. And Jesus says, take me to the tomb. Where have you placed him? And when they reach the tomb, there's this verse that I just find kind of hilarious that John included this little detail. In John 11:39, Jesus says, roll the stone aside. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. And I think this is so funny that Jesus is saying before he told his disciples, this sickness is not going to end in death. And now Lazarus has died. And obviously Jesus is going to do something. They've seen him heal the sick. They've seen him perform miracles. They've seen him walk on water. They've seen him feed the 5,000, which really was probably 15,000 if you count the women and children that were there too. They've seen Jesus do all these incredible things. And when Jesus goes to the tomb, he says, roll the stone aside. I got to wonder, at least one of the disciples has to be thinking, is is Jesus going to raise him from the dead? Is Jesus going to like, can he really do even that? And so here's how Jesus responds when she complains the smell is going to be terrible if they roll away the tomb. Jesus says, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up at heaven and he said, and this was his prayer. He said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of these people standing here so that they will believe that you sent me. So Jesus even is saying in this prayer that he's saying out loud for everyone to hear. He's reminding them the purpose of why I'm doing this is not just about Lazarus. It's about everyone. It's about the people hearing. It's about the people of Bethany. It's about the people that they're going to tell this story to in the future. And so then Jesus shouts, he says, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and feet were bound in grave cloths, his face wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. And then John includes this. He says, many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. This is the purpose of why Jesus rose him from the dead, of why he called him out of the tomb, because this demonstrates something. 
This demonstrates that Jesus' authority extends over life and death. And this is leading up to the Passover. In fact, the final Passover that Jesus would experience during his ministry. And at the end of the Passover week, Jesus is betrayed to the authorities. He's put on a mock trial. They make up false charges of why Jesus should be crucified. And then Jesus is crucified and he dies and spends three days in the grave himself. And he had told his disciples that he would have to go away for a while and then he would come back. And Jesus rose from the grave, demonstrating the same thing that he demonstrated with Lazarus, that his authority extends over life and death. So everything that Jesus said when he declared, I am the resurrection and the life, we can trust that to be true. And in fact, even at the time when John was writing this, this was all verifiable by his original audience. They could go to Bethany and they could find someone who was there that day or find someone whose parents were there that day and be able to say, did this really happen? Was he really dead for four days? And the people of Bethany would say, yeah, we saw it. We were there. We know that in the early church, They took this story as face value, as true. But it leads to this question for us today. When Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, how are we looking forward to resurrection and eternal life? Are we keeping that eye on the horizon, looking ahead to the future, of saying, do we recognize that Jesus is calling us to resurrection? That Jesus is calling us to eternal life and that that eternal life is through faith not through works, not through something we earn, not through something we deserve. In fact, it's given freely because of God's love for us. And the second question we have to ask is, how are you seeking the life of Christ on a daily basis? How are we living out God's presence in the here and now? How are we seeking Jesus on a regular basis? Are we spending time diving into spiritual practices that help us grow in our faith? Are we spending time discussing with each other over the phone or maybe in one of our life groups that's meeting online? There's ways that we can do this even when we aren't physically together. But how are we encouraging and spurring one another on to live out our faith, to live out the mission that Jesus came to begin? That through Jesus, everyone on earth would be blessed. And that they would be blessed by this gift of salvation that leads to resurrection. That we would receive this gift of God's presence with us. And you've heard me tell this passage from the end of Matthew many, many times. And it's the Great Commission. When Jesus met with his disciples, and he told them, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. And the disciples had experienced that. They had seen Jesus' authority firsthand. And so then Jesus commissions them and says, go out and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them my commands, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And be sure of this, I am with you always. And that last part of Jesus promising that he is with us always. That's part of this life abundant that Jesus came to give, that we would understand God's presence being with us every day. And so we have to ask ourselves, how are we living that out? How are we keeping our gaze on the future, the resurrection, the eternal life that awaits us? But also about how are we living out how Jesus empowers us to live out his mission, 
to be his hands and feet in the world, to shape this world to be more like the way that God intended it to be. How are we doing those things? And that's the question that we have to look inside. We have to look reflective at our own lives of saying, how do we live this out? And sometimes we don't get it right. Sometimes the church has a history of really getting this wrong and doing this in ways that harm and hurt people. And we got to evaluate those things and say, no, 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 no. How do we get back to understanding this through who Jesus is? How do we get back to living out the mission of God in the ways that Jesus taught us? How do we live in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that came to reveal to us and to equip us? How do we do those things? And those are conversations that I hope we're having. Whether those conversations are in prayer with God, conversations with one another, or even in this format through our online services together. But we got to ask ourselves, how are we living these things out? Let me just end by praying for you. God, thank you that we can do this, that we can gather digitally online from wherever we are in the world and that we can come back to this at different times. God, thank you for this ability that we have to still be gathered in this format. And God, I pray that you would help us see towards the resurrection, that you would help us see towards the eternal life that you have for us. And at the same time, we would see how here in the world right now, you have a task for us, that we get to be your partners in mission, living out who you are, and revealing your hope and your love and your life with those around us. And so God, I pray that you would empower us in those things, that we would be able to dive into those together to live out who you have called us to be. In your name we pray, amen. So I just want to say thank you again for joining us online. If you have questions or you want to talk or you have a prayer request you want to share confidentially with our prayer ministry, would you click the link in the description for our online connect card and fill that out? We'd love to get in touch with you and be on this journey of faith together with you. And so I hope you have a great day. If you're watching this live, I hope you have a great long weekend as we enjoy that. It's, hey, it's spring. It's warm. This is the kickoff to summer. So I hope you have a great day. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Our Sunday services are online only, streaming at 11 a.m. on YouTube. You can find out more about our church by going to mygrandvalley.ca or you can find us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for My Grand Valley. Thanks for listening.